0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology, the Theory of Everything, with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We're here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self-awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo and Janie.
2: Welcome. I am Mary Jo Weavers, here with my co-host and good friend, Janie McCarthy. Hi, Janie. Hi, Mary Jo. Janie, today we are here starting our once-a-month format for our show, And since the sun is in the sign of Libra, and as we record this show, Mercury is moving retrograde in Libra, we chose the theme of today's show to be partnerships, relationships, and collaboration.
3: That's right. So we're very honored to have with us on our show today two very gifted astrologers and psychotherapists, and they also happen to be longtime friends colleagues, business partners, and good for us, they've recently co-authored a book that they're going to be sharing with us today.
2: Right. One of our guests today is Hadley Fitzgerald, who has been a licensed psychotherapist almost as long as she's been an astrologer. She's also been a writer for more than 25 years and is a teacher of astrology and family systems therapy she is co-author with our second guest dr judith hart of their book images of soul reimagining astrology our second guest judith hart is an astrological therapist a depth psychologist and licensed marriage and family therapist who has counseled clients for over 30 years judith spends much of her free time sculpting images of soul out of clay and her work has been exhibited by the Los Angeles County Psychological Association. Welcome, Hadley and Judith, to our show.
4: Well, thank you for inviting us. It's just delightful to be here. Thank you so much. Terrific. Yeah, so uh, let's... yeah
5: I'll, I'll second that, and I'll say this morning was not too delightful, because I was <laughs> sure that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be present, and I am, and I'm
2: thrilled.
3: As are we. So, let's start with Hadley uh, first, and then we'll go to Judith with uh, the same question. Hadley, um, we'd like to begin with asking you, how'd you become an astrologer and a therapist?
4: Ah, okay. Well, uh, it starts with becoming an astrologer, um, I was newly married. I had just finished my B.A. in English at UCLA in 1968. I was completely burned out, and I had contracted to ghostwrite a book for someone before I started student teaching. And um, my husband and I went to dinner at the home of his best friend, and he promptly went off with his best friend and left me in the kitchen with his friend's wife, whom I didn't really know. And I volunteered, this is a true story, I volunteered to stir the soup, and I asked her about their recent trip to Hong Kong just to make conversation. And she said, oh, the trip was great, you know, but the most interesting thing that had happened uh, during the three months that they were there was that she had had her horoscope done by an American astrologer who lived in Hong Kong. And I heard the word astrologer, and my knees got wobbly. I remember that. And the cosmos, I have looked back and I said, the cosmos downloaded my life purpose on the spot Mm -hmm. as I heard a voice say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Now, I I didn't know what an astrologer was or did, um, and I don't remember anything else that was said at that dinner. But I do remember that the original career plans and all this rigorous uh, educational preparation that I just poured heart and soul and years into had just vanished. <laughs> and I did tell my then-husband, you know, as I say, then-husband, um, on, on the way home that night that I was going to be an astrologer instead of an English teacher. And, um, and you know, actually, I think that began the end of our very young marriage, um, <laughs> But, you know, we we spent many more years together, and bless his heart, you know, um, he was certainly disappointed. But um, I I just always knew I I couldn't have made another choice. And then, you know, psychology's arrival or therapy's arrival was a a bit more oblique because somewhere in the early days of my astrological work in the early 70s, I saw something in a client's chart. I remember the day, I remember the chair she was sitting in, and I asked a question, and and it it caused both of us, I don't remember the question, but it caused both of us to look at each other and think, where did that come from? <laughs> and she burst into tears, and I froze, and I didn't know what to do next, and I realized I didn't have the skills. I didn't have knowledge now in terms of what to, how, to, how to proceed or how to help her. So I'd stepped, in other words, I'd stepped into a world beyond the world of the consultation and I knew I wasn't qualified to move around in it, ethically or otherwise. And so that began to happen more and more frequently. And I would refer out to therapists that I'd gotten the names of and, and heard about, you know, but didn't really know anything about, Hope the client would get appropriate, you know, attention and care and so forth. And then really one day alone in my office, I spun around in my chair, looked at the back wall, and I knew, I just knew astrology would become an integral part of the psychology of the future. And, and the image I've used is the, the entwining, they'd be like the entwining strands of a double helix for the soul. Mm. So I, I decided to return to graduate school to figure out how to put these two things together. Everyone thought I was completely out of my mind. And, um, but I, I just fell in love with that image of, of, uh, over the years now of, that, of a double helix that shows the soul's DNA. You know, it's DNA, divine natal agenda. Mm -hmm. and and, uh, putting these two things together. And so that's how that unfolded.
3: Wow. And Judith, um, did the two disciplines uh, find you in the same order, astrology and then therapy, or vice versa?
5: Well, I'll tell you, but I would like to say something real quickly. I want to be uh, hopeful that we will keep these answers at around four to five minutes, because if we don't, uh, they're going to go way out in left field, and they're going to stay totally off topic. I know it sounds dry and awful, but I, I really think it's such a rich subject. If that's the paradox. I would like to see that we can get as much interesting depth aspects of both our work in. So I'm going to I'm going to say things in a little more edited form, and I would uh, hope that Padley would do that, and we could make something a lot more meaningful, maybe not quite as poetic, but I think concretely meaningful. Here it is. Hadley was responsible for my becoming um, an astrologer. I was not a therapist at the time. I worked as a uh, um, somebody who ran a plastic surgeon's office, and I was tired, and it was midlife, and I'd had it, and I wanted to make a change. And one day on the phone, Hadley innocently said, I keep hearing you say you want to go back to school. And I'd heard her say it before, but this time it went in. And with that, I quit my job. I used my pension and profit sharing. I went back to school and I enrolled in um, courses that would give me a master's degree in clinical psychology and I was I was already very interested in astrology, but concurrently, as Uranus was transiting my uh, ascendant, breaking through and bringing me right into the forefront as a symbol, I gradually, slowly, became a therapist and more and more became an astrologer, and they they had a beautiful convergence at the end of the line, perhaps. Um, a couple of years later, and I'm still doing it. (laughs) So I love it, but that's it. That's my story, and thank you, Hadley.
2: Wonderful. And I'm curious, how has your relationship influenced your individual work over the years? It's wonderful hearing how you both came into your disciplines and how you spurred each other on. Um, How have you seen that work in terms of collaboration over the years? Hadley, would you like to go first?
4: Well, yeah, sure. I I think it's not particularly been a collaboration over the years. It's that, um, as you can tell from the book, we, we each felt for a long time like astrotherapeutic voices crying in the wilderness. And when I went back to school in 76 with the idea of putting these two things together... Um, uh, you know, as I said earlier, everybody thought I was crazy, but so Judy and, and this small astrology group that we had formed, uh, when we met through, uh, at a workshop that Richard Eidemann was doing, they were an important support system as I ventured into that territory. So the collaboration took place really as an undercurrent, uh, as, as I see it anyway. And then, you know, uh, when we, we collaborated the first time, uh, when I edited Judy's dissertation, uh, which emerged from the letters that we exchanged when I was working in Massachusetts that are the foundation for the book, you know.
2: hmm Wonderful. And Judith, how about you?
5: Um, what I, I'm a little lost on the question. You want to know how the two things combined and what our relationship was going forward as we were developing?
2: Right, or how you see the relationship has... Um, influenced your individual work or the development of your work?
5: Well, I mean, like, like Hadley said, she was the one that I would turn to, obviously, to edit my dissertations, since she was the, the best astrologer, therapist, uh, English person, writer that I knew, and what a great combination, and she was willing to do it, and which was even better. And um, the... The book was written was ultimately influenced by the dissertation that was included in terms of um, it's it's demonstrating the evolution of astrology onward way into a very deep psychology, which at the time was <laughs> extremely peripheral in people's minds and consciousness, but which now has formed a core portion of the book we've written in which it shows and demonstrates how concrete event-oriented astrology becomes a depth psychology ultimately and a creative experience and one that incorporates a lot of different facets of uh, learning both subjects. And because of that, because of Hadley's editing... And moving
3: forward to the book, here we are. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, I'd like to stay on the Libra theme of relationship as well. Let's talk about one person, Hadley, plus one person, Judith, equals three. Because now we have the relationship included in the two individual professionals. So what I'd like to ask Hadley to do first is describe for me Um, through your lens, what that third entity relationship is like for you.
4: Um, You you mean in terms of the composite, Janie? Any way you choose to express
3: it. It could be uh, just a metaphor. It could be something astrological. However it is, from inside your soul, you look out and view that relationship with Judith.
4: Well, I, I, I put it in the context now, you know, of the very specific working together on this book, where, you know, as we know, the composite shows the relationship itself as the third factor, this, this uh, you know, like an energy field created between two people. There's an alchemy there, and it affects each of us, and it imposes its own dynamics on, on each of us and, and both of us, you know, um, and so in our composite, um, we started work on the book in 2013. When um, if we take the composited progress charts, you know, and put them around the the the, the basic uh, natal composite, uh, progressed Mars was uh, and it was that's the ruler of the midheaven in the composite was conjunct the composite north node in Virgo in the second house. So it said to us, and as I experienced it, that it was time to honor the soul contract in the relationship, to get down to earth and to function in an orderly, effective, efficient. Uh, way So this third entity that is the relationship says, uh, we're charged with becoming skilled enough at something to be of use to other people and to accept specific responsibilities and to honor the fact that details matter uh, in that Virgo way. And that's a, as opposed to the south node uh, part of the composite um, that, that said, you know, possibly in the karmic past we got swept up together in, in, in some form you know, in some uh, possible dilemma uh, from that karmic past where there was, you know, some joint uh, grand spiritual dream or a project or that that subtly, you know, reinforced our egos, but it was too impractical or too unstructured, and it got invalidated or it got blocked by the dominant institutional mind. And perhaps it cost us uh, dearly. So I I see that as as the composite was very activated in these past two years, and I don't need to go into all the details, but we had reached a stage in our joint evolutionary trajectory where we needed to take what we've got left over from the karmic past, do something structured, liberating, and difficult with it, and then have whatever that work is be of genuine pragmatic service. And also, Images of Soul was written in the embrace of that three-year, of the three-year, you know, Uranus-Pluto square. So, you know, I think we both hope it can somehow be our tiny contribution to the enormous paradigm shift that that transit is setting in motion.
3: It is such a gift for the four of us to be astrologers and to be able to look into... Descriptions of a relationship with such depth and meaningfulness and time frames that go before this one, so uh Judith looking at the relationship the very multi disciplined relationship disciplinary relationship that you have with Hadley, how does it look from your side well i,
5: I, look, I look at a, a, i'm not a comp'm Look at composites. I use them, and basically my my um, method—it's not even a method. It's just what I do with them—is to take the composite as an entity, as if it were a person, a human, real person. And I look at it and I say, "What's the calling in this chart? What what would the calling be?" Uh, And that's in keeping with our book because our book does focus on looking at astrology as a as a statement of calling, in part. And um, since I don't have it in front of me, uh, as I recall, I felt that the person had to be... Uh, um, use their creative capacity to embody something that would be significant, that, that somehow that was the... That was the longing. That was the urge. That was the, the task uh, in this particular chart. I don't know if we have another lifetime or if we had a, had other lifetimes. I I'm open to it. If we did, then they will. Then the chart would indicate that in this lifetime, the calling would be a large creative urge to embody or manifest something unique and important to the collective. And I don't think I need to say anything
2: else about it. Well, thank you, Judith. We're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we will be continuing our conversation with Hadley Fitzgerald and Judith Hart. We will be hearing about their book that came out this last year, titled Images of Soul, Reimagining Astrology. So stay tuned for more.
1: Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com. Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.MaryJoWeavers.com. You are listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to astrotalkradio at icloud.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. This is Mary Jo Weavers with co-host Janie McCarthy. We have been talking today with our special guests, astrological therapists Hadley Fitzgerald and Judith Hart about the Libra themes of partnership, cooperation, and collaboration. Janie?
3: Thanks, Mary Jo. So we've been talking about uh, the fact that you have separate practices, and after having read your book... I'm very interested, Hadley. First, if you will share with us, you use tarot cards during your client sessions. Um, I, I I love that. Nobody's ever done that with me. Could you share with us how it is you physically use them and what those conversations could look like?
4: Oh, sure. Um, well, they're they're. Um, I I don't always use them, Janie. So, you know, it's, it's, I make a decision, a clinical decision, about how appropriate they are in any given moment. And, um, and it is it's, it, I have many, many decks in a, in a basket. And, you know, Judy has this wonderful access to images through her own psyche, and I don't have that particular access. So the training I did, um, uh, I, 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 when I decide to use these images, I just bring out the basket and I ask the client to select whatever deck or decks, That person feels drawn to, you know, the aesthetics of the dick. And I make it very clear this is not a tarot reading. I don't do that. I don't predict the future. This has nothing to do with that. I'm just looking for the images that can resonate and help this client lay their psyche out on the table, as it were. And so there's a question. Uh, I ask them how many cards they think they'll need. I ask them to arrange the cards in a certain configuration that's absolutely their own choosing. And then uh, and this is all face down. And then to tell me what each of those cards will supply with them in terms of the information that they're seeking. And then we turn the cards over and look at the images and just sit with them. We just sit with them. And they tell me what these images mean. And it's not some old traditional tarot meaning it's what do these images you are looking at right now how are how we're in a field of some kind we're in a you know we're in an alchemical we're in a lembek right now um mm-hmm. trying to draw out of your psyche how this all works and then you know that resonates in my own mind with the chart and i've got a way of laying the cards around a giant chart wheel that i have and and if they're if if it's appropriate showing them the archetypes that are active in their chart right now by using the cards as well
3: I love that, uh, particularly mm. since correspondences of tarot and astrology. That's a relationship that exists, but a symbolic relationship that exists between the, those methodologies. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely.
3: So, so Judith... Um, you have access yeah. to images through your psyche, uh, your gift of looking into your client's soul and speaking back to them. Such profound, intuitive stories that they just arise out of you through word pictures and images that come right out of these char- their, your client's chart. Share with us a little bit about how that happens for you in a session. Well,
5: it's, a, it's pretty difficult to demonstrate. I'll try. Um, it really starts, Probably with a regular discussion coming from the client about um, their lives. And at that point, I may say, Well, you're very involved in um, your profession. And of course, I look and there's lots of 10th house planets where the person is, is seen as an authority. And there's a lot of seventh house planets where you would think, um, well, the other, the other person is important in their life. And in fact, there's a 90 degree aspect between those two clumpings of planets, and it's it's a a stressful aspect. And this is a real client that I have that I'm recalling right now, and somebody who was very, very qualified and ambitious and did well in business, but came to the sessions with a complaint about um, about her personal life and her inability to carry the same confidence and success into that area. And somehow during our talk, and as I said, I don't have it in front of me, but I have the important part uh, hanging on to my memory, uh, she was speaking about something and she said, I feel... And I paraphrase, I feel as if there's a veil in front of every part of my personal life. I cannot get through to it. Somehow that word veil ran a bell, a bell to me.
3: Mm-hmm. And
5: I called on to it. And I said, ah, I said, you mean you mean you have a block or is it a translucent veil what is it? is it? Is it a veil between the world, or is this something you're on for? And the, it, are you waiting for a part, as they do in Hollywood? They'll come in. Oh, I'm on a veil. I have to cancel my appointment. Which, of course, I love. And I knew that it was none of that intuitively, because I knew that what really worked in her life, if she could get at, get to it, would be partnership. She had a, she had a seventh house son. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, tears started to cry and streamed on her face. And, and I said, what, what are tears attached to? And, and she said, I, I, I just see now. And, I, and so I prompted her and prompted her, I'm not going to take it here, to go f- more forward in elucidating the conversation. And, uh, and she said, veil. And I said, yeah, veil. Now, what kind of veil is it? And she, and I'm asking her very calm, you know, short questions. what Tell me about the veil, a veil. She said it's a wedding veil.
3: Wow. Mm, that's fabulous. So
5: from there, we could really get into the work about her inability and fear about ever being able to wear one of those things and mm-hmm. why her need to be so important out in the world and in business took preference, and of course, that was her personal biography and her family history and the difficulties that she carried with her, and I have to tell you, one would never expect that, really, to look at that chart. She was a powerhouse, but not where she needed it to be, yeah, so that um... was the so, we've,
3: we've been talking about images and uh, let's use that to go into this fabulous book that the two of you have co-written, Images of Soul, Reimagining Astrology. So, you want to give us a, a cliff notes on how it came about and what the co-writing process looked like, what that interaction was like in developing this, this product, this fat, profound product.
4: Are you asking me, Janie?
3: Sure, Hadley, go right ahead.
4: Um, well, um, you know, I, I have looked at the whole, the, 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 this whole process indeed, where the, the book itself, my feeling has been, it has its own diamond, it, it, it has its own acorn. You know, there's that image of the acorn on the cover. And when I've looked back now, really, after it's done, um, I, I started to, I took a course in 1975 at UCLA called Psychoimagination Therapy. Which was the beginning of working with images and using imaging exercises that taught us how to go more deeply in in uh, uh, in our own process, but also I was looking at it how to go more deeply into astrological sessions with certain clients at that time. So you know I did that work, and then you know graduate school was imminent. Went to graduate school, did all of that, and then in um, 1987, my acorn and my diamond, and I suspect Judy's in. You know, cahoots with it and collaboration with it um, took me back east to work as an astrologer and family systems analyst in a residential treatment facility for troubled kids, and um, that's a whole other saga and, 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 and story. But had I not gone back east, and you know, in those days we didn't have computers and we didn't have email or anything, so we wrote letters to each other, and Judy wrote me a letter in 1987, right after I got there. And that started this correspondence, and that led to all this exchange that ended up becoming part of her dissert you know, the, some of the foundation for her dissertation, material for that. And then um, uh, that she rediscovered that material in 2013, and that's how the book um, got going. And then, so we decided to carry it on. You know, we don't write letters anymore, so we decided to carry it on through email. And that's the second half of the book. So the, the acorn of the book itself called us forward to do this. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like to me.
2: Mm. Hadley, uh, let's talk a little bit about that photograph of the acorn on the cover of your book. Um, why don't you describe the cover of your book for our listeners and tell us more about that acorn, what that image represents?
4: Well, um, uh, Judy loves this story, too, as, as I, I do. Um, we, were, we were looking, you know, for, for, for an image, for an acorn of some kind. And I was just one night late, uh, you know, strolling around in the Internet looking for something. And, uh, and I saw this acorn with uh, looked like watchworks inside, like the inside of an old, you know, analog watch uh, inside. And um, it's like, you know, the cosmic clock was ticking at that moment. And um, I just looked at it, and I sent it to Judy, and I thought, and she said, boy, that's it. And so, um, and she's got a way of looking at this, and it's a little bit different from mine, but um, I, I see something telling time within the acorn, again, the cosmic clock, and the idea that the oak tree itself, you know, it takes some 60 years to mature and produce a full crop of fruit for the first time and so that the whole tree is developing for 80 plus years you know into full maturity which is the span of a lifetime for most of us and so in that simple really earthy acorn there's 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 a carrier there's a determiner of some of the tributaries and permutations of our individual fate our collective fate and it's 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 there's timing in there, and it's, it's of course a riff on James Hillman's acorn theory from his book, The Soul's Code. And Judy can certainly talk about that.
3: Judith, the tagline for the book, which is Reimagining Astrology, that suggests to me that you've come to perceive something new and different about astrology. What, what, um, how do you see astrology being reimagined?
5: Well, again, I'll go right back to what Hadley said, and we, I really wanted to thank and honor the late James Hillman, who was a union analyst and a maverick one, brilliant, brilliant genius. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, him and his work, but have you or have you not, I urge you to really read The Soul's Code, which was one of his last books. And it was a book that inspired our book and has inspired most of my studying ever since I discovered him. He was, in fact, a major part of my dissertation. I started the Imaginal Dialogues through reading his work then, and uh, I have then since incorporated it here um, in astrology as a way of reimagining the astrological experience, because as Hadley said,
4: Tillman, and I
5: paraphrase, uh, stated that we are each born with a daimon who knows our history and our calling. And we come into this life, we enter this life called. And that map, known as the horoscope, in our view, in my view, at least, and I think Hadley's too, since she engaged and, and edited a book and, and obviously put her stamp of approval on it, is, is at the, we're, we're at his direction in a way. He knows what our calling is, and the horoscope is a metaphor for the map of that calling. And that enriched and reimagined my look at astrology and depth psychology and depth astrology so much that it, it was the point at which my doctoral dissertation uh, um, table of perspectives ended. I ended it with what I call the imaginal perspective and the idea that astrology is reimagined in many ways imaginally and artistically. Well, here, this book was my po- my opportunity to demonstrate how that works, finally. And so to add a new perspective onto the levels of astrology, which was my contribution to the field when, when we wrote the dissertation that Hadley edited. So it was a perfect uh, continuation of our thesis, my thesis, that here it is now, Hillman's Soul has a container, the horoscope and the acorn and its circle which is the, the metaphor for the horoscope is the image for that
3: Isn't that fabulous, I love that summation Let's take a short break and then we'll come right back with astrologers and psychotherapists and authors Hadley Fitzgerald and Judith Hart Be right back
1: Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.merryjoweavers.com Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com. You are listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, please call one 866 Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to astrotalkradio at icloud.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back.
3: Janie McCarthy here with my co-host, Mary Jo Weavers, and two fabulous guests with us today, Hadley Fitzgerald and Judith Hart, So, Mary Jo, you want to take the next question?
2: Yes, um, that was a wonderful sharing that you had for us, Judith, and I would like to go off on on one of the subjects related to that. Uh, Will you, for our listeners, define the term archetype and tell us? Or answer the question, do you think the process of astrology becoming more psychological allowed for the emergence of archetypical astrology? Or if the archetypes have been present all along in astrology, how are they viewed or used differently now?
5: Well, it's a hard question. It's very hard, and it's hard for me to answer, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um... First of all, many people don't even know of the term archetype. It means first form, as I understand it, and we we experience the qualities uh, of archetypes as they become manifest in myth or human experience. And there's there's the key part: we need to experience them in myth or human experience. The myths tell their story, we live their story. And the meaning of their story is so varied, I can't begin to to go into it, but, and I'll paraphrase this, there's um, Heron and Zeus were the king and queen of heaven, and they were married. Joseph Campbell, the late mythologist, the wonderful, fabulous man. All astrologers need to read this guy. They all need to read Gilman. Yeah, I'm pushing it. I can't help it.
0: They need to <laughs> read.
5: Liz. They need to read Liz Green. They need to really know where their horoscopes are emerging from. He said that if you want to see Heron and Zeus, and I paraphrased it. I don't know the quote, but you can get the gist of it. They're crossing 54th and Broadway. In other words, people incarnate the meaning of myth, and they incarnate the archetype vis-a-vis that meaning of myth. Um, It's a hard subject. It's something that you don't learn overnight. If you're drawn to it, it's for you. And I think if you're not drawn to it, maybe you're not meant (coughs) to be drawn to it Um, think about this say the god Saturn in our horoscope is there and you hear people astrologically saying well Saturn's doing something to my Mars nobody's doing anything to anything (laughs) Saturn is a story of a person god slash who has certain qualities that may or may not be embodied in our real life as, say, as the figure of a human father. They're called Saturnian descriptions. You have to look at the development from archetype to person and and study what that means, because, yeah, it's a beautiful, creative, poetic thought. Um... But they don't have anything to do with the old man reading the newspaper on Saturday morning and turning his head on all his children. It's a behavior that comes through in qualities that can be connected to the mythical Saturn story, and he was the father god. They demonstrate quality, archetypal qualities that can demonstrate themselves in many ways. In story dreams in our real life, certainly in psychotherapy when when somebody comes in with a with a very mean father or mother or or trouble with being hurt or or manipulated or controlled or repressed, you all of a sudden start hearing these words of the person's being held back, well, there's something to turning in in the chart that I would like to look at that person's chart and say, "Hey." Where's Saturn in this chart? Where's that God story living out in the play of that person's real life? Not in the horoscope. The horoscope leads us to the real life, to the calling. One must never forget that. So Mm. I, I don't know if that helps you, but take it from the theory to the life. And in Hadley's case, he does some very interesting things with it with the nodes and with her own impressions, she makes story out of it for people, as I understand it. And it's a story that's rich and interesting and it doesn't draw on fantasies out of the air. She calls on, pieces it together from the things that she knows astrologically and in her own intuition. I think it's, it's important that she's getting, she calls it pre- and post-life, old and new life. I call it story. Mm. There's a story. And whether you're living it for the first time, the hundredth time, there's a cast of characters, and there's a, there's a stimulation that comes from the horoscope that can get one to that story.
4: Wonderful. Wonderful. I can't if, agree I can, if with I you more. Give a little example. Um, um, Marion Woodman, who's a wonderful Jungian analyst, said with regarding to archetypes, she said, "As the chromosomes are patterns in the body, so archetypes are patterns in the psyche. They're universal. Yeah. They're universal patterns. They come down through centuries as templates that direct and 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 you might even say they pull the psyche toward life and toward its." patterns in life, it's goals in life, and there's a tremendous amount of energy tied up in those archetypes that we live out.
3: And we fill
5: them with our life experience. Yeah.
3: This whole subject of archetypes and bringing the relevance of the metaphors and the myths to the client's real life is critical. Uh, one of the things that your book does so brilliantly is it talks about, it gives the reader great insight into how these two fields, psychology and astrology, are bridged. So, Judith, would you first talk with us about how you believe Astrology allows us to better reimagine psychotherapy. And then, Hadley, if you'll take the reverse, how psychology brings what psychology brings to the practice of astrology. Judith?
5: Astrology reimagining psychotherapy. Wow. Yes. Well, it can reimagine psychotherapy, I think, in two ways. It can reimagine it for the therapists, obviously, who would have to know astrology and have to, I look at the chart as a psychodiagnostic tool, and I found it to be better than any I've ever understood. It, I, can see, I can read a person's chart before I see them, and that gives me a sense of who they are psychologically, because let's face it, psyche is in the chart. The chart is, a ma- is psyche's map. So if a if an astrologer is sharp and, and schooled in psychological understanding, they can they can look at it and say, hey, this is this is kinda what's going on with this person psychologically. And then awesome. you're asking you're asking about application then of that of that knowledge, or just well, saying uh, just
3: uh, what I was looking for was the summary you just gave us, so now i 'm going to ask Hadley to give us the flip okay. side. What does psychology okay. bring to the practice of astrology
4: well it 's hard for me to unintegrate the two at this stage, Janie, but um, I think that a huge part of what helps clients therapy clients, astrology clients takes place first in the imagination, in the psyche of the therapist you know we don 't Heal or we don't fix anyone, but through what we bring to the relationship from inside ourselves to the relationship with the client, we help them imagine a different life for themselves. So, astrology brings a tremendous advantage to that relationship in that the chart helps us see this soul's cosmic contract, you know, this soul's map for the journey. So, the psychologist has a model or has, you know, an amalgam of models over the years that he or she uses to explore. The client's current family history, presenting problems. This is all the real life stuff. You know, we assess the degree of dissonance between the conscious and the unconscious minds, the inner and outer selves. Uh, we look at, you know, try to determine the emotional and behavioral manifestations uh, of that dissonance, and 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 then you know help someone establish a focus or some goals for change that will facilitate the client moving forward in whatever way he or she believes would be a more congruent life, you know. So we, we need those skills. We need that real-life uh, material brought into the astrological consultation. Um, but, again, when I mix the two, and I've written about this, the astrologer has that, that schematic, as Judy just said, of, of the cosmic name, you know, the thumbprint, the diamond. And, and we can sit with the client and have this real background, have this cosmic map, and really look at this soul and say, who are you? What are you here to do? What complexities have you brought with you? How can I help you? And then we listen down through the layers rather than laying a template of any kind over anyone. And, and do, you know, the, the poet Pablo Neruda said, you know, we need to sit on the rim of the well of darkness and fish for fallen light with patience. And I think that's how we... I don't know if I directly answered your question, but it, it's uh, that's that's getting these two things together and helping um, helping therapy come into astrology, and 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 remove that whole prognostication part or the superstitious part of that. You know, it's not that we can't look at cycles, but how do we remove the you know some old associations with astrology that really prohibit people benefiting in the way that we know they can from a really thorough good. Consultation. I love how both of
2: you really emphasize that the two disciplines are like the two strands of thread that interweave with each other, and it's it's hard for me personally to imagine one without the other. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Carl Jung has said, "The wealth of the soul resides in images," and um, can each of you comment on how? Imaginal astrology allows us to tap into our subconscious, which can be very helpful in psychotherapy, but I'm also thinking about for for our everyday lives how it can also be very enriching, it can be very informative, and um, it's something that, that we can really tap into on uh, a more everyday level. Uh, Judith.
5: Oh, that's a hard. That, I, I, oddly enough, it, it's a it's a very easy hard question. <laughs> that, sort of, that, that, that sort of gets. That's sort of how I responded to it. Um, I, I'm not sure I I can. I mean, in in many ways, we've already spoken about it clinically. How it can tap into everyday life by helping patients become more conscious and aware of what their work is and how they can bring it into the world. You know, I have to, I want to say a minute, I want to thank somebody who's passed away and that's James Hillman. He, for me, was a teacher that continues to teach and probably always will. And I'll, I'll never forget at one, one conference, he was really getting very, very annoyed with the way practice astrology was being practiced, not to mention the state of the world and everything else, which he thought was appalling, and we're finding out now that he was pretty right. Um, he he said one day, I don't know if you're at this, Hadley, he stood up in, the, in a lecture and he said, everybody, get out of your consultation rooms. Stop going there. (laughs) Get out and help the environment. Get engaged in art. I don't care what you do. Take up tap dancing. Interface with the world you live in. You're going to find out more about everything in yourself than you will sitting in that room. Well, (laughs) nobody could believe it. The truth is, in some ways, he was very right. He saw where the world is now. And as such, he saw, he saw the individuals that were going to be in it. And he was trying to give them a heads up on how to fix the planet and their lives. We were going at it the wrong way. I don't think he said give up therapy. He, he said do something else besides looking at yourself over and over again. And, and so I don't know if I'm, I'm going where your question wanted to go, but I urge my patients to do the same. And as such, my, my relationships with them are very open. They're very within the bounds, but I tell them, find something else that calls you and start to do it. We can work on your stuff in therapy, but your life will change a whole heck of a lot more if you trust the image, whatever it is.
4: Yeah, I, I think what, what one of the uh, things that Hillman uh, emphasized along those lines, he says, let's stop accessing the inner child and access the inner adult. You know, the world is in <laughs> terrible shape. Yeah. And, and he said that all the emphasis on growth, and instead of depth, you know, we've got all this growing, 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 and depth. And he said, after a certain age, you do not grow. And if you start yes. growing after that age, it's cancer.
5: He was you. right. And, and I, I don't know, I mean, I I was thinking the other day, this is probably off the subject, but the term archetype is leaking more and more and more into the collective
3: it's That's because it has such relevance. I want, very to thank, I, I want to thank our two guests, Hadley Fitzgerald and Judith Hart. This has been a fabulous conversation. And if our listeners would like to find out more about Hadley and her work, go to www.hadleyfitzgerald.com. Judith Hart's website and blog can be found at dot. ImagesOfSoul.com. Once again, the name of their book is Images of Soul: Reimagining Astrology, and you can find that on Amazon.com in paper book and in all ebook formats. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today on Astrology: The Theory of Everything. And you can find us on Facebook, Astro Talk Radio, or link up with us on LinkedIn and. There we can continue our conversation on Libra, on Twitter, at hashtag AstroTalkRadio. Blessings to everybody. Thank you, ladies. It's been a joy.
1: Thank you for being a part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next week for another edition of Astrology, the Theory of Everything. We're live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. May the stars be with you.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network.